All right, open your Bibles to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah. Tonight's going to be fun. You might want to try to take notes, but you might get frustrated if you do. Um, I'm going to try and go quickly because there's a lot of material. Um, the, the message on service and what God expects from a priest, I'm going to save that until next week. But tonight is something also that I told you I was going to do, and we're going to fulfill that tonight. And I think that you're going to find it very interesting. Look with me at verse 9, Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 9. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. Last week we looked at those seven eyes and we understand that those seven eyes is the seven spirits of God and that's the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, doing the work with Jesus Christ in, in reclaiming His people. And so I wanted to talk with you about the number seven. Now, how many of you have heard that seven is the number of perfection in the Bible, right? Uh, and I think that we all know that, but I don't think that we really know it. So tonight, I'm going to try and give you a brief and quick overview of what God has done with the number seven. When man began to analyze and combine numbers, he developed other interesting symbols. He took the perfect world number, four. Remember, we looked at the four corners of the earth and the four points of the globe and how that number four represents the earth. And so what God has done is he's taken that number four and then three for the Trinity and the purpose, the purpose of the creation is to bring the earth and those that dwell in it together with God. That's that completeness. That's seven. And we'll see this all the way through the Bible in so many different ways. In the book of Revelation, the number seven is used throughout. Seven is the number... Let me back up a little bit. Um, number seven was the most sacred number to the Hebrews. It was the earth crowned with heaven. It's complete, the completeness of God. Seven encompasses or expresses completeness through union of earth with heaven. And that's what we were just describing. And then this number is used more than the, in the Bible than any other number except for the number one. There's one true God. But here's what's interesting. The number seven is used 735 times in the Bible. What are the chances? If you were just going to do math, what are the chances of something like that happening? It's, it's incredible, isn't it? Um, it's used 54 times in the book of Revelation. The whole word of God is founded on the number seven. And I'm not even going to deal with this this week. And maybe another time I'll, I'll take some time and talk about the heptatic structure of the, the Hebrew Bible. And if you look at every seventh letter in the Hebrew Bible, there's specific meaning in every seventh letter. If you combine every seventh letter in the Hebrew Bible, it has its own message. Um, it's just supernatural. And the chances of doing that without a computer, it's impossible unless you're God. And maybe I'll bring those statistics and numbers in for you another time. Um, look at Revelation chapter 10. 
So we've said that the number seven is the number of completeness. Look at Revelation chapter 10 and verse 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. The mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. So when that seventh angel sounds, the, the judgment is going to be finished. Seven is the number of completion. Um, look at Revelation chapter 16. Verse 17. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. Seven is the number of completion. It's the number of perfection. The word created is used seven times in connection with God's creative work. God created all things and in, in six days, and then rested on the seventh. He appointed seven days for the week. And all advanced, every advanced civilization uses seven days for the week. But it's interesting. I wonder if atheists or infidels give God credit for the seven days of the calendar. Of course, they do not. How about this? There are seven notes in the musical scale. And every other combination is just a form of those seven notes. Um, this says when the musician uses the eighth note, he goes back to do and starts over. Right? Do, a dear, a female, dear. And that starts us back with do. You go back and forth with that. And I like this. This is the part that I like that he wrote. Um, Man named the notes, but God fixed the sounds. Isn't that wonderful? God, God ordained that. Um, this is a little famous Jim Alter rabbit trail. But, um, you know, God designed, God's design is perfect. And we understand that. Um, you know, there are seven colors and every other color is, a, uh, is a, a, a form of those seven colors, the seven musical notes. And so just as in music, there's order and structure in music. I was, I was really enjoying um, I can't remember one of the songs this morning. The arrangement was so good. And then that God is exalted and, and those chords that were in that. When chords are done well, there's a real pleasing sound to it. Um, a chord of music can bring a feeling in your stomach. Um, when a cello is played, played properly, it, it, it's a very emotive instrument. Those sounds, they react. Andy said that the tone of a woman's voice, he's trained his ears not to hear it. He said that before the service. I'm telling on you, brother. Um, but, but this is the... It's true, isn't it, Maureen? Um, this is the rabbit trail. This is the part of it that I think ought to resonate with a believer. Satan wants to destroy all of God's order. How many of you understand that? And so in art, we understand what beauty is and until you come to the deconstructionists, all right? So we understand the beauty of sculpture. We understand beauty in a painting, depth of color, um, perspective, dimension, all of these different things that make things beautiful. And then you have Picasso who, 
goes, who varies in different styles from realism to cubism, and he changes everything. And if you look at a, at a Picasso art piece, it's hideous. And yet he's one of the most successful and popular artists of the 20th century. Why is that? Why is that? Because he was a deconstructionist and people were, were doing their best to destroy art to create a new beauty because they were trying to undermine God's beauty and God's order. Y- y'all see that? Um, I could recommend a book on it. That it, it demonstrates it very clearly. Music, um, when you look at something like, um, oh, what's the, oh, it's the kind of, I had the term in my mind, the jazz. What's the progressive jazz? When you look at progressive jazz, it is the idea of putting sounds together that don't go together. But they, but they learn to do it in a way that is supposed to be skillful. And the average person listens to it, and it sounds like somebody dumping out an, a silverware drawer. You know, it's, it's just horrible. And someone would tell you, you have to have a music appreciation class to be able to appreciate that. If you have to teach me that something is good, then it's probably not good. All right? When it comes to God's order. So art was undermined. Uh, there, someone said that uh, modern art is the product of the unta- untalented sold by the unscrupulous to the unknowing. That's, that's modern art. Um, and so what is that? That's, that's the destruction of God's order. Things like the progressive jazz, death metal, just this noise, somebody screaming. It's a destruction of God's order. And they would tell you that's what they're doing. And so... God's, God's perfection and the way that He has designed things, it's beautiful. And we need to not go against God's order. We need to surrender to God's order. And what happens then? Life is good. Life is good. So now, let's go back. Um, Noah took uh, seven clean beasts onto the ark, or it by sevens. Seven days after Noah went into the ark, the flood came. Peter tells, talks about the long-suffering of God in, in waiting in the days of Noah. And those seven days completed God's time of waiting. Before Aaron and his sons, we looked at this this morning, before Aaron and his sons entered their priestly work, they were consecrated seven days. And what's the idea of this? That's the idea of being perfectly consecrated to God, being perfectly set apart to God. Um, Remember, we looked at Leviticus chapter 16 this morning, and we saw those seven sprinkling of the seven uh, sprinkle of the blood seven times on the mercy seat. Seven times. And what was that? Go with me to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. Those seven sprinklings of the sacrifice on the mercy seat, what was that? It was a picture of the perfect and complete sacrifice that would be made one time and end it for all time. I just got goosebumps telling you guys about that. That that is the perfection and the supernatural nature of the Word of God using that number seven. Uh, Then, 
When Israel took the city of Jericho, God told them to march around the city seven times. And on the seventh day, they marched around the city seven times and they completed their marching. And then what happened? The walls came a-tumbling down. They came down. There are seven feast days, and we've looked at that before. There are seven branches on the candlestick in the temple or in the tabernacle, and that's God's perfect light. Um, Solomon was seven years in building the temple, and he kept the feast for seven days. Job had seven sons. When his friends came to visit him, they sat seven days and seven nights in silence, and afterward were required to offer a burnt offering of seven bullocks and seven rams. Naaman washed seven times in the Jordan. The Savior spoke seven words from the cross. Seven men of honest report are chosen to administer alms in the church of, uh, of Acts chapter 6. There are seven years of plenty and seven years of famine in Egypt during the days of Joseph. This, book, this number seven, it's, it's instrumental in our understanding the completeness and the perfection of God's work. When we look in the book of Deuteronomy, we won't take the time to go there. The Bible says when he is going to bring judgment, that he is going to judge them seven times. It's perfect, holy, and righteous judgment. And he talks about being zealous for his judgment. Um, seven times in the book of, uh, or seven times in the book of Revelation, blessings are promised to his people. Then there are seven dispensations. There are seven times the book of life is mentioned in the Bible. The book of Revelation is a book of sevens. Seven churches, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials, seven personages, seven dooms, seven things, seven new things. Seven sevens make up the book. It is the completeness of all things. Jesus said to forgive someone 70 times seven. What does that mean? You're supposed to forgive until you're perfect. It's amazing. All of the things that this communicates. Even the duration of Israel's great punishments were based on the laws of sevens. Their captivity in Babylon was for 70 years. Um, all departments of nature understand the significance of seven. We're not going to get into some of that. It would be well for us to always remember that seven means completeness or spiritual perfection. And whenever you come to a seven in the Word of God, read the meaning and the message because it is plain. The seventh time Noah's name occurs in the Bible is where it says Noah was perfect in his generations. What are the chances of making, seriously, what are the chances of making this up? Do we have any number people here in the church that you, you, know, you, you see in numbers and you think in numbers? Any of you all? Harry, yes. yes. It's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Harry, does that speak to you? It's, it's stunning, the beauty of it. Those of us who are mathematically illiterate just like to talk about it. Um, Boy, there are so many different things that happen. I'm trying to decide which of them to give you. But think about this. When Nebuchadnezzar creates his image, um, there are seven kinds of officials. He calls them together, and there are seven kinds of officials that he calls together. The, the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, and the sheriffs. The penalty for refusing to worship that image was death by being cast into a fiery furnace. And remember that fiery furnace was heated up seven times hotter than it had ever been heated. 
And so these three Hebrew children, who are God's people, go in. And what does God do? God delivers them out of a perfect judgment. And He delivers them completely, so completely, they didn't even smell like fire. These numbers and these images that are in the Bible, it would be wrong if we began with the numbers and the images. Would you agree with that? We need to start with the plain truth. But when we understand the plain truth and we start tying that together and see the perfection of the imagery that God has given us in the Scriptures, it ought to cause us to just step back and look at God and say, Wow! Praise the Lord. Um, Let's just do one more thing before we're done. Go to uh, Isaiah chapter 11. I want to remind you of something we looked at last week. You know, we didn't even talk about it. And there are the, the seven vials, seven bowls, uh, seven trumpets of judgment. There are seven mysteries in the Bible. There are seven baptisms in the Bible. Uh, the Bible talks about the seven spirits of God. And so Hebrews, or I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1, the Bible says, And there shall come forth a rod... Out of the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. And so now we're going to see seven characteristics of the Spirit that Jesus Christ manifested. And we think about those seven spirits of God or the seven eyes of God on the stone in Zechariah 3. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So number one, the Spirit of the Lord. Number two, the Spirit of wisdom. Number three, the Spirit of understanding. Number four, the Spirit of counsel. Number five, the Spirit of might. Number six, the Spirit of knowledge. And number seven, the fear of the Lord. Those are the characteristics that the Holy Spirit brings. We have just done a very brief and cursory overview of the number seven in the Bible. And it is simply fantastic. God's Word is so special. And uh, we really ought to be humbled that God has given us an amazing and supernatural book like this that has been purified seven times. Lord, thank you so much for your word.